Welcome to another program of the Word of God with Father Reed Henserling at All Saints Episcopal Church in Lakeland, Florida. This week we are looking at Proper 26. We have one more week of Ecclesiasticus, which is in the Apocrypha. Next week we'll be starting with the book of the prophet Joel, then going to Habakkuk and Malachi as we are ending this season. And we'll be moving into Advent in several weeks. About a month, uh, we'll be moving into Advent. But Ecclesiasticus is in the Apocrypha, and we will not be dealing with that. So what we've got is Revelation, our continued study of Revelation. Chapter 14, 1 through chapter 18, verse 14. And our continuing study of the book of Luke. Now, we're always studying a gospel, a New Testament reading, and an Old Testament reading. And as I said before, we are in the daily office. The daily office has two years, year one and year two. We are in year two. And then, of course, we're going to year one on the first Sunday of Advent. So in the church, the beginning of the calendar year is according to Advent, which is either the last Sunday in November or the first Sunday in December. And it runs for four weeks, followed by Christmas. Okay, so let's look at Sunday's readings. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven to thirteen thirteen, which is the great text on love. The great text on love. One of the most famous chapters in the entire Bible, so I will, I usually don't say something about Sunday because Sunday's different from the rest of the week. But what a beautiful, if I speak in the tongues of men, verse 1 of chapter 13, and of angels, but if not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I gave away all that I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. So love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Some translations say love never fails. So we have the great 1 Corinthians 13 chapter, a chapter all of us should read and try to live by the idea of loving our brothers and sisters and a loving God also, I might add. Then we have the great Matthew text out of Matthew 18, 21 to 35, one of my favorite parables, and it's the parable of forgiveness. And I just strongly recommend that you read it. When we were studying Matthew together earlier, I, I made reference to this great parable. Uh, and this is the parable about uh, the forgiveness of the king to a servant uh, of a tremendous debt that uh, the servant owed, and he could not pay, so he forgave him all the debt. But then the servant greeted a fellow servant and found out 
that he owed on a great debt. And he put him in jail because he owed on a great debt. It wasn't great as compared to the king, but it was great enough for the servant who demanded payment, so he showed no mercy. The king showed mercy to the servant, but the servant who was supposed to have learned a lesson did not show mercy to his fellow servant. And the king found out about it, summoned the servant, wondered why he did not show mercy, and then threw him into prison where he was tortured. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So forgiveness is a very important, very important in Christianity. We are all sinners. We all sin egregiously. We all sin against God. We all sin against one another. And we desperately want to be forgiven. And we do receive forgiveness from God. But we have to extend forgiveness to our brothers and sisters. We have to do it. So, Look at 1 Corinthians 13 and Matthew 18, 21 to 35 on your Sunday readings. All right, let's continue with our study of Revelation. Now, we are in the middle chapters of the book of Revelation. And as I've said in the last several weeks, Revelation is difficult. It's an apocalypse. It it talks about the end times. It talks about ideas that we are not familiar with. in a language we're not familiar with. It uses lots of symbols. Chapter 14, verse 1, and symbols that we don't completely understand. So a good commentary is important when we're reading Revelation. And I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb. That's Jesus, of course, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world in John chapter 1, exclaimed by John the Baptist. And with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of a loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps, and they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they were virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as first fruits for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, and they are blameless. So, again, I'm not here to give you an exposition of these chapters in Revelation, because that's way beyond what this time is about. I simply want you to read it. It's beautiful language. It's wonderful. I want you to read it, digest it. I want you to think about it, okay? And just read through chapter 14, 1 to 13 on Monday, the song of the angels and the blessing of God. Look at verse 13. I heard a voice from heaven saying, write this, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. That is what we want to do. We want to die in the Lord. Blessed indeed, says the spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. So you want good deeds in your life. You want to honor the Lord. You want to bear much fruit. You want to give yourself to God Almighty. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like a son of man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. Again, the son of man, Jesus. And so, um, please read that. Take your time. This is Revelation 14, 14 to 15, 8. 
And then in chapter 15, we have the seven angels with the seven plagues. Verse 3. And they sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb. So the song of Moses, I believe, is Exodus 15, after the successful parting of the Red Sea and the great miracle of God. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God the Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the nations. Who will not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you only are holy. You alone are holy. All nations will come and worship you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. Okay, and there's more happening with angels. And in chapter 16, we have the seven bowls of God's wrath. Go and pour out on the earth the seven bowls of the wrath of God. So there's seven angels that pour out the seven bowls. Okay, read that, enjoy that. Chapter 17, the great prostitute and the beast. Come, I will show you the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters. This is chapter 17, verse 1. With whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual immorality, and with the wine of those sexual immorality, the dwellers on earth have become drunk. So immoral actions brings God's wrath. Righteous actions bring God's blessing. Okay? And he goes on with chapter 17. In fact, all of 17 is on Friday, 1 through 18. And finally, in chapter 18 is the fall of Babylon, chapter 18, verses 1 through 14. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, verse 2. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations, verse 3, have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her, and the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious, luxurious living. And he just goes on and on in that. So you're reading the book of Revelation. Read it slowly. As I said a few weeks ago, find a commentary. If you can't find a commentary, look at a Bible that has study notes. Read the study notes. Now, they're not giving you an exhaustive amount of information. They're just giving you enough information to kind of get you started. But just read it to read it. Get a, full, a feel for the flow. Notice again, you have wrath, you have judgment, you have angels, you have demons, you have the mark of the beast, you have the beast, you have the lamb, these fantastic figures that are present in the book of Revelation. Enjoy. In Luke, we're looking at Luke 12, 49. Luke 12, 49. Now, he comes to bring division, not peace. Why? Because his message is offensive. His message divides people. He talks about interpreting the times, settling with your accuser. So what we have here, chapter 12, 49 to 59, and chapter 13 and 14, we have lots of teaching, okay? So Jesus drives out devils. He heals people. He does miraculous things. He also has an extraordinary amount of wisdom. And what you want to do is you want to be wise in the Lord. You want to listen to this wisdom. You want to think about it. You want to pray about it. You want to act upon it in a positive way. 
All right? So in chapter 13, for example, which is a long chapter, 35 verses, the first idea that we get is the idea of repent or perish. Unless you repent, you will perish. We are all sinners. Every single person. The Bible says there is no one righteous, no, not one. Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Starting in the 10th verse. We are all sinners. Now, what we need to do is repent. What does that mean? That means that we are sorry for our sins. We ask God to forgive us of our sins. And we ask to move away from our sins. So not only are we receiving forgiveness, we are asking God to move us in a way that our sins do not continue to beset us. Now, he heals a man with a spirit in verses 10 through 17. There was a woman, sorry, who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over, verse 11, and could not fully straighten herself. Jesus saw her. Woman, you are freed from your disability. Jesus is able to heal. Jesus is able to set people free. Jesus is able to do the impossible. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. What is our response for all the blessings in our life? Glorification. Glorifying God. Thanking God. Okay? Then he talks about the mustard seed. What is the kingdom of God like, and to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. To what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It's like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour until it was all leavened. The kingdom of God is something that grows within us. It's something that God wants to grow. It's something that God enables to grow. Now, it takes time to grow. And a lot of times that time is imperceptible, or we can't see all the wonderful things that God is doing. But it is very important that we do what God says, that we listen to the Lord, that we hear his word, and that we put it into practice. The narrow door. He says, strive, verse 24, to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and not be able. For once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, you begin to stand outside in the knock of the door saying, Lord, open to us. Then he will answer you, I do not know where you came from. We ate and drank with you, taught in your streets. I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. Strive to enter through the narrow door, people. Many, I tell you, will seek to enter and not be able. The wide is the gate that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. The way to salvation, the gate is small. Strive to enter the narrow gate. When you go back and slam on the door to get in, didn't we eat with you? Didn't we drink with you? No. So those who will be last will be first, and the first will be last. What you want to do is you're reading the scriptures, the gospels in particular. You're looking and listening to the Holy Spirit. You're repenting of your sins. You're asking God for forgiveness. You're being spiritually nurtured. You're being built up. You're asking God to glorify you, himself in you. You're asking God to bless you. You're asking God to enable you to receive the word of the Lord. 
He laments over Jerusalem at the end of that chapter. He's got to go to Jerusalem to die. And Jerusalem is going to have a hard problem with that. The Messiah is going to die outside of Jerusalem. He heals a man on the Sabbath in chapter 14, which is on Saturday, 14, 1 through 11. Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? They remained silent. He took him and healed him and sent him away. Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Jesus had great compassion for people. Jesus had a very strong ministry to help other people. And then he tells the parable of the wedding feast. And he has this wonderful verse. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. I guarantee you that is a great way to live. Let me read it again. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. Put Jesus first. Do not put yourself first. Go to the lowest place and you'll be raised to the higher place. Let Jesus be Lord. Do what he tells you. Don't do it yourself. Let the Lord be glorified. Now, throughout this week, enjoy the scriptures. Pray over the scriptures. Think about what God is saying to you. Think about what, how much he loves you. Think about his care for you. Think about his goodness to you. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this, these holy words. We ask the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit upon each and every person that's reading the daily lectionary this week. We ask you to lead us and guide us in your truth. We pray, Lord God, that you will speak to us as we examine and pray about and think about your holy word. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. God bless you in your reading. May the Lord bless you as you take the time to hear his word. I pray that that will be a high priority for you this week, and we'll see you next week for the Word of God.